Welcome to the Building the Dam podcast. My name is Marcus Russell, co-manager of Building the Dam. Uh, Travis Johannes will join me shortly. He's a site editor and social media manager. We're, uh, we're excited here at Building the Dam. We're going to get the podcast going on at least a bi-weekly basis. So enjoy the show. Travis Johannes, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Baseball game got rained out today, so they might not get that any of that in. It looks like tomorrow looks pretty awful as far as weather, so they might just be able to get one in on Monday, I guess, and have a two game series, which is not ideal for the RPI and stuff like that. Because even losing those games is good for them in the in the RPI sense. I think they jumped forward yesterday with a loss. For sure. Um, But I figure we'll jump into it and talk about the thing that's on everybody's mind in Beaver Nation, and that's Jonathan Smith and his liking or not liking social media. (laughs) His old school, yeah. The old school approach. Most authentic way, like uh, the first phone calls, which which I get, but... I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Like, you can call and you can also fire off some uh, sweet tweets. <laughs> yeah, and it's surprising because, what, Jonathan Smith is 40 years old? He's one of the <laughs> younger coaches out there. <laughs> I think that when that quote came out, I think that was one of the things I shared in our Slack chat is, how is someone so young also kind of so old in that sense of, like, like, Nick Saban not using social media makes sense. And also, it's, you know, he, he probably he doesn't need to at Alabama. You can just show up to any place with a scholarship offer from Alabama, and I don't think there's much recruiting necessarily that needs to happen. You're just like, yeah, Alabama, cool. <laughs> yeah, and Nick Saban, he's almost 30 years older than Jonathan Smith, so I get it. Big picture, is it a big deal or not a big deal, the social media? I think it's I, I do think it's somewhat of a big deal I don't think it's as big of a deal as maybe some people in the Twitter sphere may have made it out to be but it's it's I, I this day and age it's a big deal it's that's the way all the uh, all the kids all the kids they communicate on that um <laughs> sorry all the kids um <laughs> that, that makes me sound old, but I, I think it's I, th- I do think it's a big deal. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of hit or miss. I don't think it's the end of the world, but I just don't see why they don't try to make it a bigger tool in their toolbox. Yeah. But I think the bigger deal is this past week or so, two of the top kids in the state of Oregon committed to Cal. Did you see that? That and that. That's, oh, yeah, and that. That's one of those that it stings a little bit more because Cal is a school I feel like you should be competing with a little better in recruiting. You know, if they they both had committed to, you know, USC, even though USC kind of sucks, but it's different. You know, it's USC. It's got the tradition and all that. If they committed to Washington, um, like I saw uh, yesterday, another guy we were chasing. I, I cannot, I don't know his name, but he committed to Washington, and that's like, well... Washington's at a much higher level right now. And I get that Cal is has been doing better, but I don't know, losing two, two of the top guys in state to uh, Cal on the same day, kind of a shot. 
Yeah, that was a little bit of a shock. Uh, Cal, they have not been very good at football. Justin Wilcox is their head coach. Don't know a lot about him, but especially um, is Casey Filkins and Andy Alfieri were the two uh, 2020 kids. I think it's Alfieri, but Alfieri. Uh, and he's got a brother on the staff at Oregon State. Yeah, yeah, that makes it sting a little bit more. <laughs> that's that's rough. If Oregon State like, can't land him. Yeah, kind of like like I said, had, had he committed to you know Washington, USC, um, <laughs> even even that other school that I don't want to talk about, um, you you could say okay they're they're at a better place right now, but and but how? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it could be it could be the academics. Cal's pretty good school. Maybe they want to get out of the state of Oregon, but that's a that's a hit. It's hard to overcome yeah, that. For, for sure. Um, uh, the good news is there's there's still several recruits in the state that um, stays in on. They got the other linebacker from Twalton who's uh, looks to be pretty good, and then there's the linebacker. Um, from I think it's McNary. It's Junior Junior Walling Whaling. I am terrible with names. I in a full disclosure, I don't pay that much attention to recruiting. So I just know what I see on Twitter. So I could have the names wrong. But the linebacker from Twalton already committed. He's pretty good. And then there's yeah. the uh, one from I believe McNary, who they are apparently high on them. So death blow, but it definitely hurts to lose Alfieri and uh, Falcons. For sure. I mean, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with Jonathan Smith. I mean, he's fine. Everybody knew this was going to be a tough couple of years. Recruiting, I think it's been a little bit overblown. It's too early to really hammer Jonathan Smith on poor recruiting skills. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's pretty hard to recruit when you've won, like, three games in the past two years. (laughs) Valid point. I mean... And as much as I personally love Corvallis, um, it is not an easy place to recruit to. So you already have that challenge. You have the challenge of not being very good, um, which translates into the challenge of our fan base is not that strong at the moment. I've, if, if you've been a racer in the past few years, it's, it's actually kind of depressing on the fan base. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's an uphill battle. Um, getting some wins will change that in recruiting but it's kind of one of those uh the chicken and the egg thing you need to recruit some kids to help you get the wins to help you recruit other kids so it's things are a little tough right now and i i don't i think what it's going to take and it's going to take a lot of what happened during the mike riley era era which was you find some under recruited kids Take Jamar Jefferson. Like he wasn't that strongly recruited, and you find that you find those diamonds in the rough, and then you find other kids who, you know, you recruit, and you might not hear of them again for for three years until their redshirt junior season when they've developed, they've got bigger, stronger, faster. They know the game plan, they know the playbook, you know, cover to cover, and then all of a sudden they explode on the scene. So. Right now, I think that's that's Oregon State's best chance is to really strike it big with developing the players they do get. And then, like I said, that hopefully translates into wins, better recruits, and yada, yada, yada. 
yeah, the, for the other thing that's going to help is all those transfer kids if they pan out because those are got some pretty good athletes there. So that, that is the one thing about this last recruiting class that doesn't, you know, it doesn't get taken into the recruiting rankings. I think, and this is not a joke, I think we are ranked uh, 69th in recruiting. <laughs> nice. So, nice. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and that, that doesn't take into account the fact that we got uh, Tristan Jebia. Is that how you pronounce his name? I'm pretty sure. And then the uh, what, Avery Roberts, Addison Gomes, and then uh, the wide receiver, uh, Lindsey, and then yeah. maybe, maybe uh, the, the center from Arizona, but that seems to be... Yeah, Nathan Eldridge. Yeah, it doesn't definitely seem like he's coming to Oregon State, but it also doesn't seem like he's not coming to Oregon yeah. State. Like, so it's a little bit of a gray area, I'd put it at. Uh, yeah, I think it was during spring ball, one of the reporters asked uh, Coach M. I have no idea how to pronounce his last name, but our O-line coach, M- oh. I'm not going to try. Coach M, uh, we'll just yep. go with that. He asked him about um, Eldridge, the, the center from Arizona, and basically said, you know, oh, is he going to be here this summer? And Coach M responded with, hmm, we'll see, which is... Not, not what you want to hear. I don't want to hear, yes, he's going to be here, and he's going to help solidify the O-line. Because so, that, yeah. that's a big question mark right now is the O-line. There's not a whole lot of depth, and losing a experienced center who is going to come in and, I mean, not be gifted the starting job, but have a very, 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 very good shot at getting that starting job, um, having him not come would be unfortunate. And I think, all, I will say this for Jonathan Smith, he is a great offensive-minded head coach. Oh, and I think, sure. think that appeals to young athletes. You want to go to a school that's scoring points, and if the O-line holds up this year, the rest of the offense is looking pretty good in my eyes. Yeah, I the offense, I mean, like I said, beside the O-line, is not... Not a huge concern. Obviously, you wonder what's going to happen at quarterback. Is it going to be Luton? Is it going to be Jevia? Is it going to be, you know, um, how's that going to play out? But we saw it last year. They basically had very similar players um, to the previous couple of years, and the offense looked light years ahead. So the offense isn't terrible concern. Obviously, there's, you know, still growth, but the, uh, the other side of the ball is... <laughs> that defense is the question mark for sure. Uh, did you see the the graph graphics that Bill Conley tweeted out about uh, the 2018 team? Yeah, uh, it, was, it was pretty depressing. <laughs> yep, it kind of just looked like everything was jammed together, basically in last place in every yeah. defensive statistic you could yeah. think of. Uh-huh. Oh forget what all the defensive statistics were but it was yeah it was just like rank you know where where they ranked from first to was it 120 is, is there 121 something like that and basically i, I think their the highest ranking was probably like 110 i don't know something yeah. like that it's like that, all right yep. yeah <laughs> hopefully with the Honestly, seems a little questionable. He 
the you know missed basically all of last season except for some special teams plays at the end of the year and then he missed I think all of spring most of spring with a hamstring so quite the health of David Morris is a question but him out there healthy like that would be a huge huge addition um, we saw his freshman year he was a true freshman and the best defensive player Oregon State had maybe a low bar but still very good player <laughs> absolutely um so let's just run through it real quick uh i think the over under for oregon state headed into next season is two and a half wins hey that was our over under last year was that last year as well yeah because i remember i remember writing a uh a, a column sorry a column on that <laughs> and, and stating that that was a 250 percent increase of our win total from the year before which seems like right. a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, so it's two and a half. Uh, I'm going to go over three, but still that's over. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Looking at the schedule, open up against Oklahoma State, probably not going to take that yeah, one. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like that one's, that one's going <laughs> like, to turn up. Oh, games, but games I'm against excited Hawaii. To my yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's that's what that game's about is just I'm looking forward to that. Just seeing that in person. Gorgeous if, hair. If, if we upset them, you know, we can storm the field and maybe I can go touch it. <laughs> it might get thrown in prison, but probably get tackled by security. Uh, but I think games against Hawaii and Cal Poly are very winnable. And Cal Poly better be a win. Like, <laughs> better. That's the, I, I don't even think winnable is, is the right word. That's a win. And if it's not, then, oh, we are in trouble. Like, we got um, problems. Hawaii, that's an away game, right? Uh, yeah, it is. That, that's the thing that concerns me. I think it is a winnable game, and I think Oregon State is probably the better team. But, they, they, you know. Yeah, it's going to be a big game. I think Hawaii does not like Oregon State's coaching staff, to say the oh, least. Why, why uh, is that? Because <laughs> they try to recruit their current players? Something along those lines. Um, so I think that, that game, Hawaii's going to be a little amped up and going to be ready to bring it. So Oregon State's going to have to match that intensity. That the most amazing, stupid recruiting controversy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously like not an intentional thing, just some clerical error. Like, right. no coaching staff. Coaching staffs cheat, yes, and they're gonna they're gonna try to get away with some shady stuff, probably. Um, I mean, I'm not saying necessarily Oregon State's is, but I think most try to bend the rules. But there, no one's that blatantly stupid, <laughs> right? Like, and if you're gonna break the rules, you're not gonna do it like that sending it to the University of Hawaii is like, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah, and if, and if you're gonna really try that, maybe target a bank university. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's gonna be tough in that aspect, a road game against a school that hates us, but I do think Oregon State's the better team, and I do think they'll be favored slightly in that game. Just my best guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of... It's kind of sad that it's not a little stronger there. That yeah, we we're Pac-12 team. We should be favored, but I think we will. That one is a win, but uh, I wouldn't bet a whole lot of money on it. 
<laughs> True. And I wouldn't be surprised if we came back with a loss. True. Um, but that if if they get those two games started off the season two and one, then they just gotta pick up one Pac-12 win during the Pac-12 conference schedule, and we got UCLA, Cal, Arizona, Arizona State, Washington State. I could see the Beavers picking up at least one of those, so I don't think three is unrealistic. Yeah, I have a hard time picking what Pac-12 game they're going to win, but I feel like they are. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's just... I've, I've probably said that every year for the past, like, three or four years. Oh, I don't know which one of these, but yeah, they're going to figure out a way to do it. And, and, and a lot of times they didn't. But the last year we got that Colorado game, which was yeah. bananas. And one of my favorites, just because I got to uh, talk a lot of uh, trash to our friends over at Ralphie Report, which yep. if, if, if you don't really uh, – you want to just read a blog for fun about another college sports team, that's a good one. They, uh, they seem to take a little bit of the same approach that we do on some of their stories and on Twitter of this isn't that serious. Let's have some fun with it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yesterday was it yesterday that one of the other guys wrote a story about uh, getting Zion to come to Colorado so he doesn't have to go to New Orleans. Just <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that was the that headline. Cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, Ralphie Report. They're a good blog. Definitely recommend them. That was my favorite part of that one last week. So I hope I'm. I hope we get to mock another Pac-12 school after we beat them, because we don't have Colorado on the schedule next year, unfortunately. Um. All right. I think we covered football. Let's move to the baseball diamond real quick. The game just got rained out today. Um. Playing Stanford in a big series. Probably only gonna get two games in, which was a bummer for their RPI. How are you feeling about the baseball team? What are, how are you feeling about Pat Bailey? What are your thoughts? I think, I mean, more or less what I expect this year. I, I think when, I think at the beginning of the year, they were ranked like eighth. And I know some Oregon State fans were upset that they were ranked that low. And I was kind of surprised that they were ranked that high considering everything they lost. So, and then and to lose Abel during the year, um, yeah, that's a big blow. I think they've done pretty well. I do not. I, I wouldn't. I don't really expect them to do go too far in the postseason, really. But who knows? Mm-hmm. I think they they'll probably host. They'll host. They'll. I mean, unless some weird stuff happens the next. Is, it, is this the last series? I believe so. I'm not sure actually. Um, but remind me. But unless for some reason they tank real real soon, they should be in the top 16 and host a regional. I don't think they'll host a super regional unless some upsets happen in the, you know, in the regional that they get paired up with. If a, Because the Oregon State will likely, they would probably need, you know, the host school of the other regional to lose for them to host that super regional. But who knows? Right, that's right. So it's the top eight seeds get a host throughout the super regional yeah. Until they get to Omaha, basically. Um, and looking at the schedule, they have USC, uh, the home series, Thursday, Friday, Saturday against USC next week. I think you're right. I don't. I don't think they're gonna get a top eight seed. I don't think they'll host throughout, but they do think they'll get a top sixteen seed. 
get a host a regional, which is good, and I could see them winning the regional, getting to a super regional, and then probably bowing out there. That's where I have them. How far, how deep of a posting postseason run do you think they got in them? I'm probably on that same page. You never know, though. It could. I, I if I had to, I would say they're probably out in the sewers. And honestly, maybe, maybe, maybe in the regionals, if for some reason they end up playing on Tuesdays. <laughs> true, true. It's a bad day. Yeah, it's just been so inconsistent this year. I mean, the pitching, they've been really good, actually, but we were spoiled last year with everybody with from Jake Mulholland, Christian Chamberlain, Femmel, yeah. Abel, well, White the, the biggest thing is just the hitting it's been I mean in all fairness they basically only returned one consistent starter from last year in, in Rushman who is amazing and is going to be the number one pick but beyond that it's there's not a whole lot of experience beyond him so the offense has just been not there all the time it's been very inconsistent they'll have games where you know they rack it up a bunch of hits and they're able to score or and hitting's kind of contagious, but there's also not hitting is contagious, and we've had several of those. For sure. Yep, and that's I, that'll be their downfall, I think, ultimately, is just inconsistent at the plate. Because they've got good hitters, it's they've shown the ability to rack up runs. It's just not an everyday thing. Especially not during the midweek games. But we'll see. I really want Oregon State to win the Pac-12 because uh, Bob Lundberg from Oregon Live, <laughs> he says he's going to walk to Newport barefoot if they don't receive a top eight seed and they win the Pac-12 outright. So that's that's really what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I think he's probably safe. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're going to win the Pac-12 outright anymore. Yeah, I'm curious about, I don't know the math of it. Honestly, I have not um, been in that uh, in-depth on it the past couple of years, um, but I don't know the math if they even, after yesterday's loss, if they're even still in contention to win it outright. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. They are technically, but they'd have to have a lot go their way. A lot of things to break their way because Stanford and UCLA are both very, very good. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Alright, let's move on to the last of the major sports for Oregon State. Basketball. Middle of the offseason right now. Uh, people are kind of arguing about transfers. Why is it happening? People are kind of mad about Trace Tinkle and Ethan Thompson declaring for the draft. Um, what, do you, what do you think? How do you feel about Wayne Tinkle right now? Um... I, sorry, I just laugh about. I I get I I find people getting upset about kids declaring for the draft to be hilarious because it's every every year um, every year that happens. All of a sudden, everyone on Twitter is a NBA scout draft expert, and they're oh he's not ready. He needs to improve this. He needs to improve that. And it, it just it it kind of makes me laugh. Um, I'm admittedly nowhere near uh, a qualified to say. Is he ready to go? Is he not? Um, so, my but some people apparently are. They uh, they're they're just waiting for their call from Blazers to be uh, uh, 
Neil Shay's right hand man. Um, but as far as Tinkle goes, I, I uh, this year was concerning to me because they had a lot of experience coming back. Um, they they might have been the most experienced team in Pac-12. If they weren't, they were definitely one of the most experienced teams in the Pac-12 with Tinkle, um, Thompson brothers, um, and Pac-12 was awful this year, has been. Yeah. And the fact that they weren't able to do a little better and not even make a postseason tournament was concerning to me. Um, I, I feel like they should have... They had a strong start to the Pac-12 play um, that last couple weeks, a lot of close losses, and then uh, falling out quickly in the... Uh, in the Pac-12 tournament there. Um, so I, I'm i not on the whole, you know, Tinkle needs to go bandwagon yet. I'm very curious to see what happens to the program when Trey's either next year leaves or this year leaves. Um, and then when Ethan Thompson leaves and it's not, you know, their best players aren't the coaches' kids. I've, I've seen it. I've seen... Um, I think it was Nick Dashell, uh, the Oregonian reporter. I think he was he, he had a tweet, an interesting tweet to me, um, talked about how he thinks their chances of recruiting actually improve once uh, once the Tinkles and the Thompsons leave the, the the kids, not the coaches, because players you know players might not want to go to a, a program where the coaches' kids are there um, for whatever reason it is if. I don't know if it's they, you know, think there might be some preferential treatment or whatever, or if they, you know, don't think they'll have the chance to shine as much. Um, I don't know. And I'm not even sure if that's an accurate thing, but it was a, a interesting thought, and yeah. it there could be right. So Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. And I'm, I'm right with you. I think Wayne Tinkle is not on the hot seat at all. He's firmly the head coach and I think he'll be the head coach three, four years from now and they'll see how he recruits after Trace and Ethan are gone from the program, give him some time. But I think overall he's doing a fine job. Um, what are what do you put the chances at percentage wise that Trace Tinkle and Ethan Thompson are in Corvallis next season? I would be very surprised if Ethan Thompson is not. I that's one where, again, I'm no draft expert or anything like that, but I feel like that's I feel like his um, draft declaration was mainly it was like uh, Stephen Thompson and Drew Eubanks a few years ago when they declared, and I don't think at that time any of either of them necessarily had intention of going, but they kind of wanted to see because the nice thing about declaring is. You talk to NBA, you, they get to talk to NBA scouts and GMs or whatever, and don't see where, where the NBA views them as players and sees where, you know, where they fit and what they need to work on. Um, so I, I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't have any insider information, but I, I gotta feel like that's Ethan Thompson's um, goal in this one. So I would be very, very surprised if he wasn't back. Tinkle, I, God, I, I don't know. I think the, 
I think if his dad wasn't the coach and there wasn't that, you know, pull or whatever, I would I would definitely put him at a very high chance of leaving. Um, because to me, I don't know what else he has to accomplish in Corvallis. Um, he's graduated because this is, I mean, he, yeah. he's been here for four years because he missed the one year due to injury, was able to get his medical redshirt. Um, so he's graduated. He's already on that on the high end of um, draft eligible age. You know, he's he's already one of the older players that are draft eligible or that are in the draft, I guess. Um, so I, if, if I was him, I, I'm going pro at this point. I <laughs> even if you're not even if you're not making the NBA, you know, maybe. You know, this is what people said about Eubanks last year. Is well, he's not gonna be, he's not gonna be picked. Why, why would you want to go? Well, you still make decent money in the G League. Um, yeah. Or you end up overseas playing basketball, getting paid. Kinkle has had, you know, he's had some injury. Um, so, um, he has some injury concerns. He's missed, you know, missed one year. He missed a bulk of, uh, or I guess the end of his freshman year with injury. So. Coming back is definitely a risk because it's another year of, I don't want to say prime, but definitely prime sort of development time um, where he could be getting paid. And if he comes back, it's not. Um, so <laughs> if, if I was him, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to the draft. I'm, even if, even if you're not going to get picked, you're going to get, he'll end, he would end, I mean, he he is a professional basketball player. He has the skills to be a professional basketball player. That doesn't necessarily mean NBA, but you know, yeah. they, there's tons of leagues in Europe, China that pay decently well um, for the G League. So, but there is that pull of, hey, another year playing for my dad. I don't. I obviously I don't know what their relationship is. I don't know if that's that big of a pull to him or if it's. Uh, done that for years i want to move on i don't know um i honestly don't think coming back is going to improve his stock at yeah. all unless he unless he just comes back and completely blows up as a player i mean he's already he was in the running for the pac-12 player of the year this year um or at least in consideration by most yeah. i i don't i don't see him becoming an astronomically better player this year, I don't know another year of vaunted Pac-12 basketball is going to all of a sudden make him a player that he's not already. And, and I mean, he's what? It, what is he? He's probably 22, 23 years old at this point. I I wonder. I wonder at what point do teams start to go? Oh, Shoot, I don't know if we want to, if you know, say he stays another year. His his being 24 at the time or whatever, I think that could be almost more of a hindrance because why draft a 24 year old who's who you might have like you know say say next year he comes he improves a little bit he gets his stock into mid second round, but he's 24 years old and then there's this 19 year old who's also mid-second round, you know, hmm. yeah. I think the NBA teams go, 
draft the younger guy because maybe he has more potential. You know, maybe we we can we have more years of potentially what would be his prime versus Trey's, who would be I don't want to say twenty four is old, but it, it kind of is for pro, for for right. that for being drafted for being a rookie. It's kind of old. Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you. I think Ethan Thompson has got about a 95% chance to return to Corvallis. Trace Tinkle, if, I've... <laughs> can, I, can I just say, if, if, if Ethan Thompson stays in the draft, I am getting the hell off Twitter for a few days because I will not be able to handle <laughs> or can say Twitter. There'll, yep, there'll be some angry people. <laughs> uh, Trace, I think... If I had to put a percentage on it right now, I'd do 50-50, uh, 50% chance he goes. Just because everything you said, he's a, he'd be another year older. He's not going to drastically show NBA scouts anything new his senior year. He's just going to be a year older and kind of be who he is as a basketball player at that point. Which, don't get me wrong, he's a very good basketball player. Um, and then if he returns, he's not getting paid. But there is a little bit of value in returning for your, his senior season. And if he stays healthy, basically rewriting the history books for Oregon State. He'd probably be first in scoring. He'd be up there in rebounds. He'd be up there in steals, all those type of things. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of, even though he won't be getting paid next season, there's a little bit of value in kind of cementing your legacy as one of the best Oregon State basketball players to ever play. Um, but it's hard to quantify that, and it's hard to really know what he wants to do. And so it'll be interesting to see. I think he's got a couple, like another week or so to make a decision. Yeah, sure. I'm trying to remember what the deadline is. I want to say it's the... Uh, I think I heard it was May 26th, but oh, I don't okay. know. I was, I, I was thinking 23rd, but I think you're right with 26th. It's May 26th. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and, since, and since he didn't get invited to the Combine, so it is actually a new rule this year, I think, where if you get invited to the Combine, you can stay in the draft. And then if you, you don't get drafted, yeah. You can come back. So, but that's, sorry, that's a little bit off on a tangent because that's not the case with either Thompson or uh, uh, Tinkle because neither of them got invited. Yeah. But I think that is a cool role. I think, uh, I think the, I think professional sports and collegiate sports need to work a little bit better together as far as um, what's actually best for the student athlete. I like the idea of, them being able to hire an agent and still be able to come back if if they don't like what they hear instead of giving giving the athletes a a chance to get more information instead of um just declaring based on hope like i feel like it used to be like you would declare because all your your inner circle is like oh yeah you're real good you're gonna be pro but they you know your inner circle is gonna tell you things you want to hear um now they can now they can declare they can get an agent they can go through all that stuff to figure out where they actually are and then make the decision um yeah that's got uh, that's why i like uh i like baseball's um uh 
draft process where you can get drafted out of high school. If, if you don't, then you have to stay in college for three years. But even if you get drafted, you can still stay. Obviously, it's a little different because there's like 800 rounds of the baseball draft or something ridiculous. Um, yeah. Which is two for the NBA. So, not 800. I think it's 40? I don't know. It's right around 40. Yeah. Which is, it's crazy. By the time you're, it's like the 37th round, you're like, so, um, I got drafted out of the, like, I think it was like 37, 38th, one of those very last rounds out of high school by the Mariners. And, uh, obviously, obviously he stayed, which is good for Oregon State. Um, not great for my Mariners, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Unless something unforeseen, Adelie's going to be uh, a, an Oriole, which is <laughs> one of those things. I'm like, that's awesome that you're getting drafted first overall pick. And it, like every year, no matter what sport, it's always like, that's great getting drafted. But this kind of sucks because you, you never go to a, rarely ever end up with a good team. Um, now, the NBA is a little different because one player can make a pretty huge difference. Uh, True. Yeah, I mean, but if Zion, if he doesn't want to go to New Orleans, he can always transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't go to Colorado. Come to Corvallis. <laughs> um, I hope. I my biggest hope, and I not to go on a rant about um, uh, Oregon State Twitter because honestly, I, I spend a lot of time on there. Um, if you don't know. I, I do the bulk of the uh, uh, tweeting from the Building the Dam account, and I also obviously have my own personal account, and I spend far too much time on Twitter. Um, but I, I, Don't we I, all? I just, hope, I just hope that but when, but if, you know, Tingle decides to stay in the draft, um, Oregon State fans on Twitter aren't assholes about it, yeah. because... I just, it, I think people get this like, I, I I don't know they they. I don't I don't know what it is. It's some sort of entitlement thing. Like they want, oh he's screwing Oregon State by leaving. Well, I mean I don't know about screwing, but he, he, I mean yes it would hurt, but you gotta think about the kid too. Like if if that's what's best for him, go do it and. And I, it, it, in the long-term sense, I think it does help Oregon State if you're sending players to the pros. Um, you can kind of check that off, off, and you know you can sort of sell that a little bit in recruiting. Um, I think it was last year. Uh, you you wrote the article about like uh, why Drew Eubanks should go pro and why Oregon State fans should be happy about it in a sense. Um, yeah. And then. And then it, it didn't go over well. Then you got yelled. <laughs> you got yelled at by people on Twitter. It's my favorite thing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm right with her with you. Fans are gonna be fans, and they're gonna be selfish and not look at the bigger picture. But it is and, what it is. It's cool. We'll see. Can I? Can I? Um, on on the topic. Again, I'm going off topic here. So sorry. But on the on the topic of of Oregon State Twitter. Can we, can we can we all just calm down and be a little less sensitive? I swear, <laughs> I swear, they, there's so much, and it's it's between the two. It's it's there's so much between Oregon and Oregon State's fan bases that just the there's so much stupid petty little arguments. Um, and and 
some some of Oregon State fans' arguments, um, they're not good. Like, I, like I, I, I saw one um, where we were, not not we. I'm not gonna, I'm not I'm not jumping all of us into this, but someone I I, I off the top of my head don't remember who. Um, someone on some Oregon State fan on Twitter was, and then several others piled on was mocking Oregon for being 0-2 in football national championships. Uh, all right, listen, I love bashing the Ducks as much as possible. I truly do. It's one of my favorite activities. I live in Eugene. I love, like, I love when I can rock my Oregon State gear and mock them. But maybe we should find some things that um, don't backfire. Like, when, we, when you go, <laughs> you guys are 0-2 in football national championships. <laughs> and we haven't been in a bowl game in... What several five years? years. <laughs> yeah, I think it was 2013. God, that's gonna be six years. I think yeah, the Beavers last... would love to be 0 and 2 in national yeah, championships. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just and, and, and it's not it's not to just say there aren't a holes on the Oregon side of the Twitter fight. Um, right. but and then oh, I <laughs> don't want to bash a kid on on our team, but uh. Someone, I think it was one of our basketball players was... <laughs> one of the walk-on basketball players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we ran, run this state. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I, yeah. I, I, come on. Let's not... I, I feel like there's too much time spent focusing on, on uh, Oregon. And in all fairness, as much as I hate to say it, we aren't Oregon. Like and it's and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's the schools are different, and we don't need to try to emulate them. And when they call us a little brother, it's not a good comeback to call them little sister. It's just <laughs> dumb. Yeah. So like, mock them. I mean, don't get me wrong. Give Oregon when we can, like, and have some fun with it. But maybe 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 don't use arguments that are gonna blow up in our face. Like, you guys are 0-2 in national championships. You guys made it to Final Four, but you guys didn't make it any further than that. <laughs> it's great advice. <laughs> yes. And uh, while we're on the topic of Twitter, oh. don't forget to follow Building the Dam at Building the Dam. And uh, also give, a, give Travis a follow at Travis uh, underscore Johannes. Yeah, yeah you can... You follow Building the Dam and you'll get mostly my, my tweets um, about Oregon State stuff. And if you follow me, you're going to get my tweets about my dog and my um, angry political rants. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah, how's, uh, how's all, is Oliver, right? That's your dog? Yeah, he's, he, yeah, he's actually, oh, he just heard, he's sitting here with me. And if you've heard background noises, like maybe that, I don't know if y'all can hear that. It's him trying to get me to play ball right now. Um, <laughs> and, uh, well... Let's not keep you. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll follow Marcus, too. What is your... Uh, your it's not important. I think it's no. like at Marcus underscore Russell 2 or yeah. something like that. That's important. You follow the, the managing editor of Building the Dam. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, follow me for crazy well, uh, angry political rants and pictures of Oliver. <laughs> there you go. Well, you got anything else for us, Travis? Not really. I'm trying to think. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's all I got.
Thank you for listening to today's show of Building the Dams podcast. We'll be back at it again in the next week or two. And as always, go Beavers.